Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glickson with my tag team partner, Matt Story, and it's back to normal with Matt thousands of miles away from me. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, we can only do, you know, in-person podcast recording so many times, but we might have a couple more opportunities as the fall and winter develops. Um, think we should at least uh so you know but yeah we're back at our our home basis and uh and, you know we'll we'll just get back on the horse asu is three and two they're one and one in conference play as they travel to boulder to take on the 21st ranked undefeated four and oh colorado buffaloes one and oh in conference yep and uh you know i was very early on my dark horse steven montez for heisman uh, pick last year so early in fact that it it was wrong by <laughs> by miles um, it was it was but this That's year right. he's uh 91 for 120 and over a thousand almost 1100 yards through four games nine tds to only two picks but he's not the story the story is wide receiver wide receiver lavisca shenault and i'm yeah. sure i'm saying both of those wrong but i tried <laughs> You got me. Uh, we'll we'll hear it a few times, I'm sure, on Saturday. Hopefully, not too many times. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure exactly how it's pronounced. But we'll we'll learn soon enough because he's pretty good. Shenault's uh, got 38 catches, 581 yards, and four touchdowns. He's averaging better than nine catches and better than 125 yards per game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and where did he come from? I, I mean, like it's one of those where you know. Not that either of us follow Colorado all that closely, but, you know, being in the Pac-12, if somebody's a really highly touted recruit or prospect, you'd think you'd hear about him. And I got to tell you, I mean, I, I follow college football pretty well, I think. And prior to a month ago, I had never heard the name. Um, but he's been a revelation for him so far. He's a sophomore out of DeSoto, Texas. His line last year, full season, Seven catches, 168 <laughs> yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, obviously they had a hidden gem there, I guess, and we'll see how how he does and how really this whole team does as they start to now get into a tougher part of the schedule. And that's going to be the recurring theme for me as we talk about this game and this team. It's just, you know, they're 4-0, but how much can you read into it? They've, they've uh, I think I read... Um, they're combined, you know, their four opponents combined have one win so far this year. And we're, we're deep enough into the year that, uh, that, that stat is relevant. Uh, teams have played four or five games. Uh, so they haven't beaten anybody. Uh, and, and we'll see if, we'll see if we qualify as anybody, I guess, uh, time will tell on that. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see not only this week, but how they do as we, you know, as they start to get into a tougher portion of the schedule, obviously. Well, Colorado's favored by two and a half, but their previous four opponents, they beat Colorado State 45-13, went on the road to Nebraska 33-28 in a game that at the time seemed better than it is now. Right, right. Mm -hmm. It felt like a big-time win. We've seen what Nebraska has been since, and it's not very impressive. They then beat the New Hampshire Wildcats. Yeah. uh, Soundly, for whatever that's worth, at home 45-14. And then they beat UCLA, who is the South's Oregon State, 38-16. Right. Yeah, they've, they've been a, a pushover so far. And, and so, yeah, on paper, you know, you say, wow, they, they, you know, they beat one at Nebraska and beat UCLA in the first month. That, 
you know, without seeing anything so far, you'd say, oh, that's a pretty impressive first month. But uh, those two teams are a combined 0-8 uh, and, and have really not been very competitive in most of their games. Um, and so, you know, you look at that Colorado win, or the win in Nebraska, I should say, and, you know, it was a thriller. You felt like, wow, that's a real breakout for them. Well, they've been beaten, you know, badly now and, and you know, by Michigan especially beaten pretty soundly by Purdue and, and actually Troy even more so. Uh, and so you wonder, does that, what does that tell us about Colorado? And yet the flip side is, you know, are they, are they a team that's gaining confidence? Are they going to take advantage of this soft schedule to start and just keep rolling? Much like I always go back to the 07 ASU team as a great example of that. We had a soft schedule to open and we got rolling and we ended up winning 10 games when really that team wasn't that good. Which we saw the next few years right. when things yes. fell apart again. Exactly. When the schedule didn't really break our way, we you know we lost a, a unforgivable loss to UNLV, and then went into a really tough portion of a schedule and lost every game, and you know set there two and six with with mostly the same team we had the year before. The Buffaloes, um, their offense has been the story so far. They they're putting up nearly five hundred yards a game. Um, they're not defensively, not really slowing things down much. They're they're allowing 156 rushing yards a game, which it's tough for as an ASU person to knock that since we're averaging allowing 161, but (laughs) but we've played Washington and San Diego state and Michigan state and they haven't. We have, they have not. No, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I just, it, it, it'll be interesting. Obviously, we've had really good success running the ball the last two weeks, and um, you know, obviously, Oregon State is not a very good defense, but Washington is. Now they, you can argue, they gave us that. They they were willing to let us run the ball uh, successfully and take away anything in the passing game, and that is exactly what they did, and it it controlled you know the game because of that. But um, we've had a lot more success. We get Casey Tucker back this week, it sounds like. Um, so you'd hope we can continue to do that because the passing game just hasn't it hasn't clicked yet this year. It really has not. Um, and there's been some times where it's looked good, some drives, uh, even maybe a couple of drives in a row like at San Diego State. But we've yet to have that game where the passing game really clicks for four quarters. And we're going to need it. But uh, maybe with what they've you know struggled against the run, maybe we won't need it this week. We'll see. Looking, I mean, you mentioned the passing game not clicking. Manny's numbers are okay on the surface. He's one hundred eight sure. for one seventy for twelve hundred twenty four yards. Yeah, and he's got a ten touchdown one interception ratio. So that's good. Yeah. Um. But it. But it's the um the eye catching misses. Yeah, more so exactly. than, than the execution on, on the successes. The- exactly correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it just you know the even the Michigan State game, which is statistically I think his most you know impressive game. He threw for I want to say close to four hundred yards in that game over over three fifty. I'm pretty sure uh, was a game that was kind of marked by missing several big plays. We obviously saw that last week. And again, you could live with that because, you know, a great example last week was we missed the wide open touchdown. The next play, you know, Benjamin runs for a 50-some-yard touchdown. And, well, okay, that's fine. But you can't live with mistakes like that against better teams. 
Um, you know, when you miss a 50-some yard touchdown play, usually a pretty good opponent is not going to give you one on the next snap. And, and now we get into a stretch where we're playing some pretty good opponents that probably will not. Colorado's a weird team just because they were a doormat when they yeah. came over to the Pac-12. Then sort of out of nowhere two years ago had a, a fantastic season. <laughs> right. Um, and, and now they're, you know, that last year, bad again. Back to five and seven. Yeah, yeah. no bowl yeah. game. And this year, you know, they're they're rolling. You know, they haven't played anybody, as you said, but right no. now are, are they your prohibitive Pac-12 South favorite? Well, I mean, they've played the best, and, and, and almost by default they're that favorite because – you know, USC's 2-1 and one in conference, but they certainly were not impressive in back-to-back games there against Stanford and Texas. Now, those were on the road, and, you know, Texas has played well since week one. Stanford is a good team, as we know. Um, but, you know, they were not overly impressive. Arizona certainly has not been. We talked about UCLA and how bad they've been. Utah's, you know, 0-2, like we talked about last time, 0-2 with a game against Stanford this week. So they're, you know, they're facing an uphill battle. Um, and you know, yeah, we're one and one, but but the one quality opponent we faced in conference that we lost to, obviously. So, yeah, I mean, at this point, they have to be. Um, but there's a lot, there's a ways to go. I mean, I was just looking at their schedule as we were talking. After this week, they have back-to-back games at USC and at Washington, and so they're you know they're one and zero start in conference. They could very easily be two and two in three weeks. Uh, and and then they come back to the pack a little bit, you know, if if that happens. One of the pieces of news before we get into our picks and our assessments of this game is uh, that Brock Sturgis, a running back from Allen, Texas, Allen High School, uh, Mm -hmm. which was Todd Graham's old stomping grounds, uh, has left the program. He's going to transfer, it appears. Uh, the the statement from Doug Haller's Twitter was that they that there was a mutual agreement between right. Sturgis and the program for what for whatever that means they <laughs> yeah yeah they both agreed he wasn't going to play anymore right um, apparently so yeah do you have concerns Matt you know they've still got Isaiah Floyd they've got yeah uh, Eno Benjamin obviously and maybe. They've got uh, Traylon Smith, you, yeah. would, you would think. Had a good game uh, against Washington, but then didn't see the field much last week. Yeah. They still have from last year's recruiting class, uh, A.J. Carter from Florida, or I'm sorry, from Louisiana, who was one of the mm-hmm. uh, late signees to the class. Right. Um, and obviously everyone's young. You know, Eno sure. is a sophomore, Floyd's right. a sophomore, Smith's a sophomore. So it's not – a huge problem to lose Sturgis, but no. this this is the first notable player to leave on the Herm Edwards watch. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to happen. I mean, it happens everywhere. It happens to it happens to Alabama. It happens to Ohio State. It ha- you know, there's not a program that doesn't get touched by things like this. And um, you know, it doesn't concern me now. No, um, you know, is it is it something that we might look back on? If as the beginning of something that's concerning, yeah, possibly. I mean, you never know. But uh, right now, it's it's a it's just the nature of the beast. I mean, you got you got big time programs that are losing, you know, starters uh, mid season with this four game rule. 
I mean, Auburn lost a starting wide receiver. Oklahoma State lost a starting wide receiver. Uh, you Clemson know, because they're trying to preserve Clemson lost their quarterback. Yeah, so so I mean, you've got notable names, and to to lose a guy who wasn't playing anyway, it is not overly shocking or concerning at this point. Um, we'll see. You know what the future holds. Obviously, this game this week is a uh, is the earliest kick by far. It's on Pac yeah. twelve Network. Um, so obviously the national media doesn't care much about this game. <laughs> um, no, no, it's a, it's, it's going to be off the radar. You probably will not see much of it on sports center or, or shows like that. Because Colorado's ranked, you'll see it on the bottom line. It's ASU's, yeah. uh, second chance to knock off a, a ranked opponent. Yeah. Uh, you know, well, third chance, but second ch- time being successful. True, um, true. Yeah, you're right. I guess the, the, the third ranked opponent we faced in the first six games. Yeah. Do you do you have a strong feeling about this one way or the other? Um, no, I really don't have a strong feeling. I guess uh, you know. I, I guess I would. I'm leaning in the direction of picking Colorado for a couple of reasons. One is what I mentioned that even though they haven't really played anyone. They've got some confidence rolling now, and they're at home. And and do we qualify as as anyone? I mean, we've we've got we've got a more impressive resume than anybody that played, but we're not a, a, a powerhouse. And so you think you know it's the kind of game, like, you know, to go back to that 07 team. You know, we we got rolling early, and then we played like Oregon State at home, and that was a pretty solid Oregon State team. And they got out on us early, and we came back and won. Best team we beat that year. And that's kind of, you know, a totally different situation, I realize. But it feels like that. It feels like a game where their confidence, their success that they've had is, is going to continue to, to roll. Um, and the, the, no, the other reason is simply that we haven't proven we can do it on the road. We've looked like a, a pretty solid football team in the three games at home. And we've looked like a, a, a average, inconsistent football team in two games on the road. And so until we do it, it's hard to be confident it's going to happen. My fear is that if we get behind early, the offense hasn't shown enough to make me think that we can come back. No. They've shown enough no. to make me think they can lose by a touchdown. Yeah, you know? yeah, much like Washington. But but not enough to make me think like they can get over the hump because when the defense right. makes a stop, they don't score. And then right. it's it's not until the opponent gets up by two scores that all of a sudden there's the furious rally to bring right. it back within one. Right, right. Well, and it's it's just it's different. You know, I was impressed, and I said this prior to the Michigan State game that we would have to show what we were going to do when tough times struck, and they did. We were down by ten going to the fourth quarter, but it's different having to do it on the road. You don't have the the comfort level. You don't have the crowd behind you. Uh, you have to be a mature you know, football team to do that. And so far we haven't done that. We had opportunities against San Diego state in the second half and opportunities against Washington. Neither game was out of hand and we could not get over the hump. As you said, I'm going to pick Colorado sort of along the lines of, you know, what we were talking about. I I think, I think there's going to be more scoring. I think their offense is more explosive so, yeah. So I'm going to pick Colorado 31 to 24. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was, and, and uh, I think that you'll get a, a long field goal attempt. I'm a 50-plus yarder <laughs> in this game. Yeah, you might. That's true. That's true. Yeah, obviously a little bit easier in that in those conditions. Um, I mean, I, I like that it's not a night game. Uh, night games on the road always seem to be a little bit more intimidating. Um, you know, crowd seems to always get a little bit more, you know, riled up and stuff like that. But, yeah, I've got a similar kind of feel. I, I was I was going to say, you know, 34 to 20, something like that. Uh, you know, and that, that sounds like a blowout. I don't know that it will be a blowout, but I just, I just not sure that, uh, I'm not sure that defensively we can hold them down to, you know, 21 or so. And I don't know right, right now, this offense, you know, in the three games against good competition has not shown they can score, you know, 30 plus, um, or even more than 20, really, I guess we had 21 against San Diego state. Um, you know, so, so it's just not been there yet. Uh, and maybe this is the week we find it. And if so, that'd be great. I mean, it gives us a chance, but again, I, we haven't seen it yet and we haven't seen that success on the road yet. So to, to pick it is almost foolhardy. It seems like. Are we discounting last week's win too much? They put up 52 points. You know, maybe so. Maybe um, I, I guess. I guess in some ways, the time will tell a little bit on that. Um, you know, maybe Oregon State isn't as bad as we think. I tend to think they are. I, I mean, I think they they maybe have a direction at least now. Last year, they seemed like they were you know floating away and had nothing going for them at all. And now they've got a new coach and they've got a running back who's pretty good and they've got you know they've got some hope. But it's not there yet. I mean, it's it's a rebuild. They, you know, to to compare it to something that we know, it feels a little bit like when Bobby Hurley came into ASU. Like you know, there's hope for the future, but the present is not there. And and so I don't know. I'm not sure that that we can say too much about that. It might be much like UCSA, where those two games you just have to kind of put an asterisk by and say, well, we we took care of business against overmatched opponents, but. You know, the other 10 games will not be quite like that. I, I think that's true. I, I agree that I'm not sure there's much we can actually take away from what we've seen so yeah. far in that in that game. Because right. the three weeks prior, you know, 16 right. in a win, 20 and 21 right. in losses. It, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's what we talked about last week and we both said it that, we, you know, we wanted it. We wanted it to look a lot easier and it did and that's great you know I mean the the concern would have been if the offense continued to struggle and we only scored you know 24 points and you know and like wow we've got big problems well doesn't look like we got big problems but have we figured it out I don't know we'll find that out over the course of the next you know four games probably I mean we got we got four good but not great opponents coming up none of the teams we face are overwhelming um, we get two of them at home, but they're better than Oregon State. And so, you know, I think by the time we get to, you know, week week eight, week nine, and we're through that Utah game, we'll have a much better read on has this offense figured anything out or is it still struggling? A uh, couple other things to touch on very quickly. When you mentioned Bobby Hurley, we should mention that uh, Juco guard Alonzo Verge yeah. committed to Hurley joining um, Eddie House's son, Jalen, in yep. this incoming yep. class. 
assuming both hold steady. Those are two guards who are going to be replacing, uh, well, at least one guard, uh, you know, and one big. It'll be be interesting to see how this goes. Recruiting's been a little haphazard, but we've got a young team. Sure, Um, sure. So we'll see. Uh, But then the other thing was uh, Brad Denny tweeted, and I thought it was interesting, so I'll I'll share it with you. Uh, The stats for the four quarterbacks who were ASU, who were in the ASU quarterback room. Okay, yeah, yeah. So Manny Wilkins, 108 for 170 for 1224, 10 TDs and a pick. Also 143 rush yards and two touchdowns running. Blake Barnett, 4 0. Mm hmm. 80 for 115 for 1,104 yards, eight touchdowns, four picks, also four rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Brady White, statistically the best, three yeah. and two, 92 of 138 for 1,310 yards, 14 touchdowns, and one pick. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then Bryce Perkins, 87 of 137, 1,125 with 11 touchdowns and four picks. He also yeah. has three rushing touchdowns and over 340 rushing yards. Yeah, he's he's definitely the you know the best runner of the four, and the one that you know they they ask him to run a lot you know and what they're doing and and that's why it's so hard to compare this because same with you know like you said about Brady White statistically the most impressive but he should be that's I mean that's what that offense is designed to be we saw Mike Norvell's offense here and you know even even with a quarterback that was a pretty good runner not as good of a passer, you know, just on, on pure skills. And he put up big passing numbers because well, he was always a guy who favored the pass. He was the all-time leader in completion percentage, he and he was yeah. a running quarterback. Right, right. And, and you know, threw for a lot of yards. I mean, we used to always talk about the Taylor Kelly games, and, you know, you'd watch him and you'd think, play, you know, he had a good game, and then you look up at the end and he had 350 yards and three touchdowns, and like, I guess he did have a pretty good game. It didn't always feel that way. So, um, you know, White should be the one who probably racks up the most passing yards this year, provided they all play full season, stay healthy, obviously. Um, You know, we talked about this this weekend as we were, you know, in the car a lot and and discussing different things. And, I mean, you know, I'm rooting for all of them. Well, I'd say I'm not rooting against any of them. Um, You know, I'm not. I'm not necessarily making their games appointment viewing and, and, you know, rooting for them, but Hey, if they do well, great. Um, Brady White's the one. And I think you agreed that is the one that I think has the most chance for us to look back and think, boy, what could have been the other two guys, they weren't going to play here. It's just the way things broke. Brady White might've had a chance, if not for the injury that's been, you know, in his first start, put him out all last year. And, you know, he, he, made the right decision to go somewhere else but that's the one that might feel uh, bad down the road that we let him go when the talent with Brady was there and you could tell yeah. that he he was a skilled passer a, a good athlete which is what made it all the more surprising when you had him and Blake Barnett in the quarterback room right. to sign Herm Edwards right after the season before the bowl and, and effectively announced Manny Wilkins was going to be your starter the next yeah, year. Yeah. Yeah. It was unusual in, in today's football world, uh, where, you know, coaches guard their starting quarterback 
announcement like it's you know government secret until mid-August even sometimes going up to the day of the game uh, you know for us to come out and really you know even before Herm Edwards I mean Ray Anderson talked about Manny Wilkins at the press conference firing Todd Graham and how you know we've got to have consistency for a great quarterback like Manny Wilkins and I know it caught both of us by surprise and I think others too that um, you know, nothing against Manny. He's a solid quarterback, but it felt like we were talking about, uh, you know, Baker Mayfield, and he hasn't really shown that. Uh, you know, he's a good player, but yeah, why we why we kind of close the door on any sort of competition? I don't know. I was surprised by it, and I I still am. I guess I, you know, I don't quite understand it. ASU has announced that they're going with the comfortable traditional color scheme of maroon helmet maroon pant white jersey for okay. the game this weekend like and, that look yeah 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 if, if we're not going to wear the gold helmet i i prefer sure. the maroon helmet to sure. the other colors to the white yeah yeah i like that did, did you ever read by the way i never did the, anything about why they wore black again even though it was not the blackout game i saw nothing about it Neither did I. I mean, obviously, it doesn't make a lot of news, and I didn't, you know, it's probably more likely to show up on Twitter, and I didn't really look. But, yeah, I I didn't quite get that, and I guess I'm curious, are we going to do that every home game now? Is this like a a superstition, or can you do that when you have a maroon-themed game coming up? Which I think we do. It's the maroon monsoon. Yeah, I don't know which game I, that is. I believe um, the Stanford game is the maroon. Is it Stanford? Maroon. Okay, yeah. So uh, it feels like you got to wear maroon for that, I, I would think. But uh, I don't know. I, I was sort of surprised. Not that it really matters, but it was unusual to see them wear black two games in a row at home. Yeah. Very strange. Very, very but, strange. But, yeah, we'll, we'll hope that the white brings us better luck uh, than it did the last two um, when we were in white, at least jerseys. Yeah. Uh, that was same old stuff. Uh, you know, we, we discussed that this weekend, too. Um, but, you know, just that, that frustration of feeling like we cannot figure out how to play a consistent good game on the road against a good team. I mean, the, the road wins that we've had of late, you know, last few years, we beat Oregon State. Uh, that was, you know, you should. Um, you know, we beat UTSA a couple years ago. You, you should. And we struggled mightily in that game to win it. Um, you know, just just way too inconsistent to win to win on the road, and and so far it's only five games, but so far this year hasn't looked all that different from last year. Pretty solid team at home, not nearly as solid on the road. If this year is level with last season, and we end seven and six, however yeah. we get there, six and six and a bowl win, sure. or seven and five sure. and a bowl loss, yeah, we didn't show the improvement that. I was told we would get. No, no. But is that going to be good enough for the ASU fan base? Considering how how much work went into the the school mentally preparing right. us to be good and the rest <laughs> of the country mentally preparing us to be terrible. To be horrible. Yeah, I, that's a good question and I don't I don't know I don't know the answer for you know, speaking for the fan base, I'm not even sure I can tell you the answer speaking for just me. Uh, I don't know. I mean, part of me looks at the the schedule this year and some of the, you know, certainly the, the very much big changes on defense as far as, you know, scheme and personnel and things 
boy, a, a, you know, six, seven win season is pretty solid. And then the other part of me says, you know what? I, I was with Ray Anderson a hundred percent that we need to be more than a six or seven win program. So should I be satisfied with that even for one year? I don't know. Um, I'm not going to be satisfied with it in 2019 and 20. Let me tell you that. Like I'll give you 2018. It's a transition year. Um, but I told you this before, if we're, if we're having the same type of discussions prior to next year, and especially prior to two years from now, that's going to be year three of this new leadership model. Um, that's going to really upset me that six or seven wins should not feel like a good season because that's exactly what we're told shouldn't be a good season. So I'm going to hold them to it. And by 2020, we better be a, we better be a nine or 10 win type of team, a top three team in the Pac-12 because that's what the goal is. My expectation this year is that we will hear we we will finish somewhere around six wins. Yeah, yeah. Herm will come out and say that's unacceptable for this program. Sure. Then there will be a lot of hemming and hawing about losing Manny and Nikhil Harry. Right. But having them never having been on the same page this year because right. you know <laughs> they've been playing together for. Two and a half years now. If, right. they, if they if they can't click, I, I don't know what to say. Right, right. So the the strong emphasis I think is going to be on making this team look more like Stanford. Yeah, and, and more like you know, honestly, San Diego State. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And try I mean, to play tough defense and run the ball, and I think it'll be. It'll be a hard adjustment because, uh, as we talked about in the Dirk Cutter era, mm-hmm. if there is a, a high-flying, point-scoring offense, mm-hmm. people will still come out. Yeah, People will still yeah. care. Yeah. But if there's not, no. and they're not winning, then no one will come out. That's exactly it. You you got to it before I was going to say it because when you say we're going to look like Stanford, well, we better win like Stanford then because Stanford plays what is essentially a pretty boring brand of football. It's not boring because they win, you know. People, but but it's not it's not sexy, you know. It doesn't it doesn't light up the TV screen. It doesn't make you think, boy, I got to go out and watch that. And, you know, it's it's interesting because they win. Um, but yeah, I mean, a, a seven and five team that uh, runs the ball sixty percent of the time and and you know struggles has games where they don't throw for a hundred yards. That's going to be a hard sell in this market. It just is. I mean, it, you know, entertainment matters in this city. It matters in basketball. It matters in football. It matters in baseball. I mean, uh, you know, there's a reason that the Suns' glory days always coincided with teams that played no defense but could score 120 points. That's what people want to see here. And and they don't want to see a team that can win games 80 to 78. I I think that the entertainment value is something that you'll see with the uh the Arizona Hot Shots. Right. You you right. know cuz they're getting local guys who get the nostalgia fans. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And you know the focus should be Putting on putting up points, yeah. Because yeah. you know, no one's gonna. I mean, I don't want to say no one. I find it difficult to believe there will be a great celebration of a Hot Shots AAF title if if one no. were to come. 
No, agreed, agreed. I mean, uh, you know, here's a, here's a great example. And we don't we, we can look just right across the parking lot to Wells Fargo. We were a pretty solid program for a few years with Herb Sendek. But that solid program won games, you know, 57 to 55. And we didn't really get anybody too energized. I mean, there was a little bit more interest, but not. But then last year, when we were scoring, when we started out the year scoring, you know, 90 plus in five or six straight games and, you know, and, and we were winning and, and we were doing it in entertaining fashion. What did you see? Uptick in attendance. Taking down, the, uh, taking down the posters. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, you can. I mean, this is a bandwagon town. And if you can be like Stanford and you can go 10 and 2, yes, people will show up. But they will not show up for seven or eight wins being boring. Now, they might show up a little bit more for seven or eight wins if you score 50 points a game. Yeah, uh, if, you you were know, the, I, if you were the Texas Tech Air Raid. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The Dirk Cutter teams. I mean, that was a great. Now, they, they people eventually tuned that out because they never approved. But, you know, if you're, if you're concerned, and we are, deservedly so, because of all, you know, about attendance and interest and all of that, you know, being like Stanford is... It's not easy. You know, it just isn't. Um, now, if you can win 10 or 11 games doing it, that's a totally different discussion, but that's not easy to do. Stanford's got a good formula that works well. They've recruited like that for years and years and years. You, you don't just get that way overnight. You can't just say, okay, now we're going to have this mammoth offensive line and overpower people. And, and we're gonna, we're know. always going to get the best tight end in the country. Right. Every right. year yeah. we will bring in the best yeah. tight end. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't just snap your fingers and become that type of program. It takes commitment, and and I don't know if this. I mean, and we talk about Stanford. You know, Stanford doesn't sell out. <laughs> I mean, Stanford's got a small stadium, and they've been really good. And you watch some of their games, and there's uh, big patches of empty seats. So now that's different. They've got a different market. Things are just different there. But even with the success they've had, they don't have people. You know. Uh, coming in droves to support them. They just don't. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. I agree with you that we'll hear six wins isn't good enough. I'm not sure that they'll even believe what they're saying about this year. I think probably behind the scenes, if these guys are being honest, they'll probably say, eh, six, six, seven wins would be an okay year. But it cannot continue to be. This year, sure. You talk about the honeymoon year, ask, you know, ideal or whatever. That's what this is. We'll give you six or seven wins, and that'll be okay. But if, if we're to, to go off what Ray Anderson said, that's not okay long-term. And I don't care if you're replacing your starting quarterback and your All-American receiver. I don't care. Find a way. You're going to be that type of program. You know, Alabama loses great players every year. Ohio State loses great players every year. They keep going because they have others. So tough luck. Manny's gone. You better have somebody else ready to replace him. Yeah, Kurt Walding. Yeah, yeah. Or Kelly Bryant or Jalen Hurts or whoever might be out there on the free agent market, which is essentially what it is. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. You know, for those guys, Herm has NFL connections, you would yeah. you would think. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, not sure this uh, Rob Likens offense uh, is, is designed yeah. to get either of those guys. I don't know either. No, I, I agree. I mean, and, and when you think about other places that might come calling those guys, I mean, that's the thing. Like, you know, you'd love to see that, but both of those guys are from they're from the South. You know, they played in the South, and when you look at you know 
programs in the SEC and ACC, Big 12s that might appeal to those guys. You know, is either one of them coming to the Pac-12 to play for ASU? I, I kind of doubt it, but you never know, I guess. Well, and what about UCLA? If I, you know, true, if I'm true. Hertz and I'm, you know, looking yeah. at Mariota and saying, well, right, this guy managed right. to have a skill set like mine. And, and I agree. Make it. I mean, UCLA seems to make a lot of sense if if, if they, they can <laughs> if they could show a little bit of spark before. Yeah, I mean, if things continue to to spiral there this year, then who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they certainly an opportunity is there. Um, but you know, Auburn is likely to be replacing their quarterback if Stidham goes pro. Florida State is a place that could have opportunity, uh, you know, there. Um, so just right there in their own backyard, there's some big time programs that might have openings. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how the football off season goes. It will. It will. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've I've said all along that I thought we'd end up with a grad transfer. I still do. I'm just not sure we're getting those, those guys. guys. <laughs> we might get a more of a second or third tier grad transfer and maybe even one who doesn't start. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be a star. You, you know, you get somebody like a Keller Christ who went to Tennessee this year. He's not starting, but it just gives them some depth. Somebody who maybe wants to, you know, be a, a quarterback slash assistant coach, you know, get ready for their next career, that type of thing. That would be helpful. Maybe the starter is Sterling Cole or Kurt Walding or whoever, maybe one of the freshmen for all we know. But we we just need somebody to be a, a veteran presence because there isn't going to be one coming back next year, really. Matt, who you got for the Red River showdown rivalry? I know rivalry, it's not a shootout. shootout. Whatever they call it, yeah. yeah. Um, I might as well pick Texas. Why not? I, no, one's, no one's forcing you. No, I know, I know, but you know, hey, uh, what do I, what do I have to lose? Uh, you know, I, I want Texas, as you know, and um, you know they look good since week one. They really have. Uh, they're not, they're not great offensively, but their defense is pretty good. I'm curious. You know, uh, Oklahoma has has scored a ton of points on some bad teams, but didn't really against Army. Or, you know, Army was right there with them and took them to OT. And so, you know, I'm I'm curious how Texas defense will match up with them. If I'm reading this right, Kyler Murray's thrown 17 touchdown passes this year. Yeah, he's been great. He has, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no arguing that. He's been really, really good and, uh, you know, looks looks like a, a star for for the time he's there, uh, you know, which I guess is just this year. But certainly he's, he's very impressive. And, you know, one month in, short list of Heisman candidates. He's definitely on it. And the, uh, the last game for my interest for picking what do you think about notre dame traveling to blacksburg it's a tough one it's a tough one and 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 it worries i mean it's the type of game that i think people are looking and saying notre dame's playing great ah virginia tag lost to old dominion and they did but then last week they went to duke and handled them and and so maybe that old dominion game was just a fluke game i think it probably was uh you know i think virginia tech's a pretty solid team and that's a very difficult place to play so I don't feel great about it. I'll say that. Like, that's that's uh, got loss written all over it. Coming off a big-time emotional win, and now you go to a really tough place to play, and everybody, ah, Virginia Tech, yeah, they're not any good. I think they are pretty good, actually. I think that old Dominion game is, is a fluke. Um, yeah. And when you look at the rest of their schedule, I mean, they got 
blown out week one at Liberty. You know, Old Dominion. Yes. Yeah. yes. Like yeah. there, there yeah. it was one no, of those things a- where you know we talk about having a puncher's chance. We talk about right. how any in any given moment. Right. Well, that that's what this is. You know. Yeah, I, but I but I agree with you. I think it's a total fluke game. I think you know. Uh, somewhat like that Bills Vikings game that we talked about. Like it's one that you'll look back on and think, "How did that happen?" Because Virginia Tech's probably going to end up winning, you know, nine or so games, uh, and you're going to look back and think, "How and how did that ever happen that they lost that game?" But you know, it's it's the old cliche. That's why they play the games. Uh, on that day, they were better. If they played them nine more times, they'd probably lose all nine. But they found a way on that particular day. Yeah, I you, I know this is. Not good, but I'm kind of rooting for Old Dominion to lose every game this year, <laughs> so that their only win is a, a you know a upset. Top twenty-five opponent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, now it it, uh, it concerns me because I you know not only did Virginia Tech lose, but the, you know Josh Jackson got hurt, and I thought they'd get beat by Duke, and they didn't. They didn't even you know it wasn't close. They handled them pretty easily, and so I'm thinking, well, I think Virginia Tech's a pretty good team. And again, playing there is tough. I mean, but I will say this: if Notre Dame can win it, the road is certainly open for them to go twelve and zero. They don't have a very difficult schedule in the second half, like it looked like. I mean, Florida State certainly doesn't look very good. Northwestern doesn't look very good. USC doesn't look as good as maybe you expected. So, you know, the, the the road is there for them to make it very interesting for the playoff conversation if they can get through this one. We're very close to having our first meaningless playoff poll that I will yes, react to yep. and Matt will Less call me month. down. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I will. I will. I will, uh, you know, because, uh, you know, they'll probably put, you know, three SEC teams in the top four and they'll be like, oh, my God. Well, just just relax. There's still games to be played. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, we're, we're about four weeks, I think, right now they should it'll be out, so. They'll, they'll get us going. They'll get us animated. And uh, and then, you know, the, the only one that matters is the one that comes out December 2nd or whatever. We'll be here to take you all the way through all of that, including yep, yep. recapping the ASU-Colorado game after the fact. Until right. then, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.